0: Um, let's talk uh, sermon tonight. We're in our series, Greater Than. Can I name something really quick? Um, this is not a part of the notes, but I said, I've been talking way too much. I just want to make that clear. Like In our ideal health, when we are, are functioning at 100%, Like, I'm not going to be speaking this many weeks in a row. It's not good for you. It's certainly not good for me. We are just trying to give Debbie a little bit of space to make the transition from CPC to the table. And so that's, I know you're sick of me. I can see it in your face when I walked up here. (laughs) That's why I wanted to just name it. So um, I get it. I'm sick of me too. But we're not going to be stuck in this place. Forever. That's actually what I wanted to talk about tonight. We are in this series called Greater Than, and uh, tonight we're going to be talking about stories and when they get stuck. This series that we are calling Greater Than is based off of the text in John 14, 12, where Jesus is in his final moments with his closest of friends over their last meal. And he says to them, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, John's unique word for believe is not the noun, but it's the verb. It's the participatory life. Whoever is stepping onto my path and taking in my purpose, they're going to do works that I have been doing. In fact, come to think of it, they're going to take this story even further. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. The works that John is referencing here in the mouth of Jesus are the seven signs that are embedded in his story. There are seven specific signs, seven specific invitations that we are looking at these signs and we are asking how should they be manifesting and how are they already manifesting in our own stories? What are they calling to us today? We are on sign number three tonight. John 5 is where the story is going to be. And it reads like this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. The blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. When When I read that and I consider... All of these people who are in pain around this pool. I would be remiss if I did not acknowledge in this service um, a modern day miracle worker who is doing greater works than even Jesus got to do. Because while Jesus in this story, or sorry, spoiler alert, uh, ends up healing a person from their pain. Um, I know somebody who is keeping people from being in pain at all. That man is John Keller. Do you know what LifeFloor is doing today? This is the modern, miraculous works that Jesus had in mind when he started speaking. He was thinking about specifically John Keller. Now, John, I'm going to tell me if I butcher this, but John Keller's company LifeFloor just became the first to meet the new NSF. Um, That's now we're safe for families. What does that mean exactly? Uh, we don't even, it, we don't even it does, it's not even an abbreviation anymore. It's the name now. Okay. It is the n- first to meet the new NSF Splash Pad Surfacing Standard. Um, so that's awesome. I, I thought it would be a round of applause. Did I not set it up right? <laughs> Did I trip too much, Jeff? Jeff Johnson's birthday, too. Who else needs a shout-out tonight, huh? <laughs> oh, gosh, one of those nights. Okay. Um, now let's go back to that horrifying reality of a pre-life floor world um, <laughs> where you have <laughs> around this pool. Debbie, relax, okay? Just breathe. In this scene that John is referencing, he is telling a story about a system in Jerusalem based upon the religious system at the time where medical supplies were low and medical expertise was absent what they did with those who were in pain the crippled the blind the lame those who seemed to have their stories permanently stuck is they put them by a pool and they told them a story they told them that at certain points in the day an angel will come by stir up the waters and when that happens you need to get your body into the pool and when you do you'll be healed So you think about like the modern parallels about what we tend to do with um, people who do not fit inside of our constructs of people who belong, whether it's the elderly or the disabled, whatever language you want to use, we remove them from from our eyes. We do not see them. We put them in institutions, in nursing homes. The same thing is happening here. And Jesus comes into the scene, he skips the party to be at the pool to say, this is a problem. The current setup of how things are going, that's not healthy for all people. And so it should not be happening in the holy city. This needs to stop. Jesus walks up on this scene. Where John tells us is where there is the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the cynical, the uh, perfectionist. The people pleasers, the addicts, the workaholics, the twins fans. Everybody whose story seems to be stuck, this is where they're tending to congregate. All around these five colonnades. There's a lot of wounds in this gathering and yet Jesus gets close to only one. One who is there that had been invalid for 38 years. That word for invalid in the text, it actually means one who had been dried out. I mean, if you're looking for an access point into this text, there it is, right? Because you may be able-bodied, you may be capable of getting up and down and coming to church, but do you know what it's like to be dried out? To be at the end of your rope, absolutely exasperated, feeling like you are on the brink of expiration. Jesus saw that one who had been there in that position and who had been there for three decades, almost four. And he beelined straight for him. When Jesus saw him lying there and Jesus learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him the question, do you want to get well? It almost seems like an insensitive question to ask, right? because I mean, this man had invested 38 years time next to this pool waiting for the waters to stir so we could finally be healed. To ask, do you want to get well seems to be, are you paying attention to where I've been? It just said that you learned of my condition. It doesn't make sense. Unless you understand that it kind of depends. I remember having a conversation with a friend. We went out for dinner as he was celebrating five years of sobriety. And when he looked back on that first moment that he stepped into AA, he said, for the longest time I knew I had to go, but I didn't want to go to AA for the same reason that I didn't want to go to church. I was afraid that it would work. And if it worked, I would have to do work. And if it worked, I would have to cut some ties. And if it worked, I would have to do some changes in my life. I mean, there's a reason why we have changing rooms in stores because we don't like to change in front of one another. We want to hide that. We don't want to come undone just to kind of find our pieces to put them back together again. And so there is always sometimes, there is always a sometimes. (laughs) That's a terrible sentence. (laughs) There's always sometimes. There are times where the answer, do you want to get well, despite the fact that it may appear like you've been trying to do so, do you want to get well? Do you actually want the new reality or do you kind of like being in that place where you're trying for it, reaching for it, shooting for it? Jesus comes up to the man, he asks him, "Do you want to get well?" And the man gives him an answer. "Sir, the invalid replied, I don't have anybody to help me in the pool when the water is stirred, so how do you suggest I get well?" Every time, for the past 38 years, every time that I have heard the water start to move and I've tried to roll my way to the edge of the pool, somebody always beats me there first. 38 years this man has been stuck in this system and he's taking on a whole new story. Can't even answer the question, do I want to get well without blaming somebody else who's standing in his way. Is it possible that you get in these predicaments like this where you've invested a lot of time in dysfunction that it actually becomes the only function that you're familiar and comfort with? Is it possible that it's so hard to get well, not because of the action that's required, but because you're afraid that, like, being cured might actually be worse than being sick? It's unknown. At least here in my sickness, in my current predicament, in the condition by the pool, I know who I'm with, I know who I am, I know what I'm up against, and that's enough for me right now. It gives me some level of control over the situation. But it also puts some kind of lid over your life. I watched this video the other day, and I would like for you to see it.
1: In an experiment, A scientist placed a flea into a glass jar. The flea, being able to jump more than 100 times its body height, quickly and easily jumped out. The scientist then put the flea back inside of the jar with the lid sealed. When the flea next jumped it crashed into the glass lid and fell back down into the jar. After some time the flea now conditioned to the presence of the glass lid, began jumping slightly below the lid so as not to hit it. When the scientist removed the lid from the jar, the flea continued to jump at the same height, just below the lid. The flea has learnt to limit itself from jumping beyond the height of the lid, even when the lid was removed. For the rest of its life, the flea would be unable to escape. Has your past created barriers that are holding you back from reaching your dreams? Don't accept the limitations of your environment. Don't be a flea in a glass jar.
0: You know, it's fascinating. If you were following along in your Bible and you were reading this story, John 5, and you were to go John 1, John 2, John 3, and then you went to John 4, and you looked at John 4, and it wasn't there, you might wonder, is my Bible broken because there is no John 4 in John 5? John 5 power in John 5. John 5.4? 5, Make sense? Just open your Bible every now and then, folks, and we'd be all on the same page right now. In John 5, there is no John 5.4. Unless you are reading the King James Version, most versions of the Bible do not have John 5.4 in it, and here's the reason why. The common belief amongst textual critics is that at some point in history, there was an addition that was made to John 5 that did not belong in there. That addition was these lines behind us. The belief was that a scribe, at some point in history, read this story about a man who had been lying by a pool for nearly four decades could not understand why somebody would be so stuck in a story like that that they said, surely there had to be a story that made sense of it. And so they added this line, from time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease they had. The scribe saw the man lying by the pool and said, surely there is a story that could make sense of this whole thing. What's your story? Because healthy evolution, as witnessed in the history of the church, is it recognizes that lying stories, stories of limitations that place lids on top of your life that keep you from jumping the way that you were born to jump, they do not belong in God's book. What are the stories that are placing limitations on your life? Because I've heard a lot of different ones. I, I'd say even in this past week, let me think for a minute here. What are the ones I've heard this past week? I heard somebody say, I, I do not have the, the right schooling for that sort of, I'm passionate about it, yes, and I do feel like God's like calling me towards that, but like I don't have the qualifications. I heard somebody tell me they were too old. Um, I heard somebody say it is what it is. It's always been this way. It's just how things go with him. What's your story? We all have one, right? How do you see the setting you're in? Because how you see the setting of your story will determine where the plot's going to lead. It's the most important thing. You know, I want to apologize right now because I think maybe 10 or 15 times now I've told you something along the lines of like the most important truth in your life is how God sees you. And I don't think that's true anymore. I think that the most important truth in your life is how you see the way God sees you. Debbie and I, we led this church service downtown this morning, and there was this text in Marks 1 that I had never noticed before. It's the baptismal scene of Jesus, and it says that as you you kind of like imagine what that scene is like when the dove's coming down and the voice is speaking over and... It says in the text, though, that not everybody saw and witnessed what was going down. In fact, it just says that Jesus saw. Jesus looked up and he saw the eyes that were looking down. The most important truth is not how, you, how God sees you. The most important truth is how you see that God sees you. How are you appropriating the eyes of love that are beaming down on your life? Are you a victim of fate, of circumstance? It is what it is? Or do you believe that the Lord of liberation, the Lord of light who has come to bring you forward and not hold you back, the one who came to this man and said, pick up your mat and do something different, do you believe that that God is still knocking on your door? It gets very comfortable to live in these uncomfortable situations to the point where we do not even realize how unhelpful and unhealthy they are for us. And when you're in a context like this pool, where you are in a low point, but you look around and so is everybody else, the down that you are experiencing is the down that they are experiencing. Before you know it, the down is the default. and Instead, you just nurse it and rehearse it. This is what we do here. This is how we go about our business. But then you have Jesus come onto this scene sees the system that puts them by the pool, sees the story that's keeping them on their mats and says, you still have a choice. This is the most basic. I said to my wife, who's a therapist, I said, this is literally all that this message has. What would you tell a client? You know what I mean? Like, what? There's got to be some like, profound reality to being stuck. But there isn't. Like, Just the profound, revelatory reminder that you have a choice in how your days play out. You don't have to be stuck, you could get up again. And the moment that you do, the moment that you do find your feet and break the norm, you create a new reality that others are invited into. Can I prove it to you? I was thinking about 1954. I'm sure you were too. In 1954, there was a prevailing belief that the human body was not capable, was not fit, it was not possible for anybody to run a mile under four minutes time. That is until Roger Bannister at Oxford University came on and did so. I want to get you the correct time here so I do not botch this, but he ran his time in three minutes in 59.4 seconds. Now, that's amazing. They said it couldn't be done, but here he just did it. He broke what was was to, to introduce something better, something wider. And as good as that is, Here's the greater than works that happened afterwards. 1954, Roger Bannister ran a 3 minute 59 second mile. 46 days after Bannister did what was believed that nobody else could do, John Landy, who was an Australian athlete, he ran the mile in the time of 3 minutes 57.9 seconds. Within a year, 37 other runners had done it. Within three years, 300 other runners had done it. And so again, I ask, how do you see the story that you're in? Are you content with life as is? or, Or do you have a vision for something more beautiful? Something more whole? What is the lid that's keeping you where you're at and keeping you from walking? I love that John says in the text at the end, it looks like a throwaway line, but I assure you it's not. He says that this this healing, you can see it on the upper thigh of um, Roger Bannister. Thank you. (laughs) The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. That matters. Because later on in the story, when this man who was now walking went up to the priest and said, Look, look what Jesus did. They said, Wait, why are you walking? You were not supposed to be healed on this day. When I think of my own stories that I get stuck in, the limiting lies that I actually fall and fail to believe again and again, the thing that keeps me in them more than any other word is the idea that someday I'll, I'll fix this. Someday I'll actually like go through the work of, of learning what it looks like to have a healthy sleep life. Someday I'll, I'll go through the work of learning how to actually deal with like my emotions. And so the people at this time understood that healings don't happen on this day, but Jesus, when he does this, he says that healings can happen on any day. God's favor in your life is accessible 24 7. And so, do you want to go a different direction? Do you want to take this place in a different direction? I'm asking you as an individual, and I'm asking us as a community do we want to continue to evolve, grow wider and not weaker? I got to tell you this, um, and I'm gonna let me preface it with this. I was asking Christian about this. I told you a couple of weeks ago that this year I'm gonna be the chaplain for the Timberwolves, and I, the way I do preaching talking up here it's always I'm just pulling from whatever stories are in my life and so I apologize if it sounds like like I'm flaunting that on any kind that's really not my intention but I want you in my life and I can't bring you there if I can't tell you these stories and so I need to tell you some stories because one of our table members is now the head coach and he's doing the very things that Jesus is calling us to do. For the past 20 years, this organization has been a pit stop for future destinations. It has not been a place of flourishing. It has not been a destination that people are looking for. But just this morning, Debbie and I did a church service for the team, and that's something they have never done before. This is after yesterday when we had a family day at the practice, something that they've never done before, something that the league has never done before. This happened just after the practice where they finished their practice with a mosh pit and a DJ because they wanted to end on a joyful note, something that they had never done before. This comes from a season, after a season of off-season workouts where they are all there as a team together. Something that no other team in the NBA is doing right now. Ryan Saunders is creating a new culture. He's saying, I see how it's been, but we can do something different, so let's go in that direction together, and it's beautiful. Now, I don't know if that's going to meet a lot of wins this year, because the reality is, is that when you go through change and you move in a healthier direction, it's not always prettier, but it's going to make them better people. It makes you wider. That's my dream for us in here. Is that we would continue to ask, like, how do we expand? How do we evolve? How do we pursue a higher form of health than the current reality we're living in? Because God is always calling us to more. And so are we in? Are we willing to get off our mat and go to the places that Jesus is calling us to go? Pray with me. Jesus, you are good. We are grateful. God, help us to hold to the truth that the greatest danger in our life is not that we aim too high, miss, but that we aim too low when we hit it every time. Give us wide hearts, Lord. Give us courage. Give us discontentment with dysfunctional living. And give us trust as we take on the first few steps. God, you're good. And we are so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Matt started his message tonight talking about the participatory life. And that is the life of the church and the life that we're called to live out. And the text went on really to talk about that, right? Jesus calling the man and his mat, get off your mat, walk, participate in this. And so, one of the things we wanted to do tonight, just a little change and changing things up a bit, is during communion tonight, we would love it if you feel called. We're inviting you to participate in the life of this church, because here's the bottom line: we need you. We need you. And so, there's lots of things that go on here that many don't even know about, and. I want to say up front, sometimes there are seasons where you need to step back, where you need to set boundaries, where you need to say, right now, I need to be fed because maybe I'm stuck. Maybe I'm in a hard place. And we honor that. But we also want you to know all the amazing things that you can step into, that you can step off of your mat and be a part of because there's some awesome places to plug in here. So during the music, we're going to ask if you feel moved. After you take communion, you can walk over right here. There's also one of these set up in our little narthex area behind you. You can take a post-it note, write your name, your contact information, and stick it right in one of those spots. I'm going to tell you just a little bit about what we have and one of those things is our facilities team. And many of you might not even know that there's a group of people that show up here every Sunday and they set up all these candles and the screen and the banner and they get things ready so that we can come together and we can worship. And we'd love to have you be part of that team. For any of these teams, we want to get enough people. We want to roll up our sleeves. We want to be in it so it doesn't just fall on a handful of folks. And it is really cool to be a part of these teams. Okay, what do I do with this? Just put it around your neck and talk. Okay. Put it the other way, though. This way? Yes. Thank you, Zane. Thank you. If you have any talent or a passion around any sort of tech like helping with our sound or our slides. There's a place for you to sign up for that. If you wanna be part of our care team, we are building a team. We've got Sam Manning and Andrea Johnson that are heading up a team. And we're gonna train people so that you can walk alongside people that are in crisis or just struggling. You could be part of a prayer team. You could visit our folks in the hospital. Be part of providing meals. If you want to be one of our greeters, we try to get a handful, four to six greeters every Sunday, so that people feel welcome when they walk in those doors. It's important to who we are. And if you want to love on our children, we are fortunate enough, we mentioned the generosity from all of you, that we are hiring really amazing kids teachers that are loving on our kids and teaching them about the love of Jesus, but we still need volunteers especially to hold our babies. So if, if once or twice a year you could do that, we would be so grateful. And so would our kids as well. And then if you'd like to, what we'd like to do is start a community events team. If you remember last year, we tried to do potlucks once a month, hold special events, maybe at Advent. And we need a team of people to do that. And if that's one of your passions, we invite you to put a Post-it note on that as well. So... After you take communion, we invite you to stop and do that. What I loved about Matt's message is the reality that we are all stuck at some point. And for some of us, it's a moment. And for some of it's a season. And for some of us, it's a lifetime. But we don't have to be. We do not have to be stuck because we follow a Jesus who says, Pick up your mat. Follow me. And so we pause and we remember that when we take communion together. The night before Jesus died, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, broken for you. When you eat this, remember me. And he took the cup and he poured wine into the cup and he said, this is my blood and it's shed for you. When you drink from this cup, remember me. So that's what we do. We take the bread and we dip it into the cup we remember a God who unstucks us, who helps us in those places. So please stand and together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And before we do that, we're only having two communion stations tonight. Gluten-free will be right in the middle and the other one right here. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come